The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got a son in Phoenix, too. 52 to... <laughs> Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Davin Mitch Krumpetich. Hey, Sands fan. And no Savory Dave today. He's uh, celebrating the birthday a little early, so happy birthday to David. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Ooh, sensual. Yeah. All right, and this week on the show, we will be doing our annual predictions of the Suns stat leaders. We'll go through points per game, rebounds per game, all that good stuff, and then we'll make our record prediction for the team. And we'll we'll toss in a hot take and a cold take because that's just what we do around here. Follow us on Twitter at SunnyandPHXPod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review and a comment, and you will get a shout-out on the show. All right, so this season, just 15 days away until the first game of the preseason, and we're pretty amped up. So as usual, a couple weeks before the season, we're going to just predict who leads the Suns in each of the stat categories this year. Uh, we're going to be going through points per game, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, three-point percentage, and then we'll do a record prediction. So we'll start off with points per game. I believe the three of us on the show have always said Devin Booker for this. I don't know if we've ever said anything different. So I don't are, think we have. <laughs> are, are we changing it this year, Mitch? Nope. Devin Booker, and I have him averaging 27 points a game. So you're, you're predicting another bump up in the points per game. Yeah. So the past three years have been interesting for this prediction. Um, two years ago, I predicted that he would average just above 25 points a game, and he averaged 24.9. I was really close on that one. Uh, people said I was crazy, but nope. And then, let's see. I said he would take a step back last year. I thought that the addition of Aiton would take a bit away from Booker's scoring, but I was wrong because he averaged 26.6 points a game last season. And so if that's the case, I don't really see why that would go down, especially with a better point guard. So I think it's going to be 27 this year. Right, and I can't really argue that because the numbers do go up every year, and if I saw that happen again, I wouldn't be terribly surprised. But this year, I'm going to say he is going to take a little step back. And, you know, Aiton's back, obviously. But then we have some other guys who can do some scoring. Oubre's a scorer. He's going to be more than likely starting and getting quite a few minutes. And even just the better depth we have all around, it seems like there's just more guys that can actually fill it up a little bit. So 
I can see a, a small step back. I'm going to go with 25.9, so just under 26 per game. And with that, though, I'm expecting to see better percentages and more efficiency. Yeah, I could see that, and we do have some better shooters. That reminds me, though, we should probably predict the starting lineup, too. Ah. I think it's pretty will. clear. I think it's pretty clear, but... When do you want to do it? Let's just do it right now. <laughs> do it. We don't, have, we don't have David here, because that's going to be our only point of contention. <laughs> but I think it's going to be Rubio, Booker, Oubre, Saric, Aiden. Yeah. It seems pretty obvious. Unless Bridges has really done some crazy stuff over the offseason and he's just fitting in better with those guys. But I don't know. After bringing Kelly in on that contract, it seems like it'd be foolish not to start him. Yeah. So I'm with you on that. And to play devil's advocate in honor of David, who's not here to defend his Mikhail Bridges starting pick, I'm going to try. Bridges had a good season last year. He's a better shooter than Oubre. Uh, is there any other reasoning? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's the best I got. I think it's pretty obvious that Oubre is going to start. Yeah, and we don't have to start Mikhail. Like, Oubre right. is a legitimate starting small forward in the NBA. Yes. Oh, Bridges is also a good defender. I think that is something that we should know. He's a he's the best defender on our team, probably. Right. So, if we're... Okay. If we're getting blown out and we can't stop a team, is that enough to put Bridges into the starting lineup over Oubre? Because Oubre's not a... He's not too bad on defense either. He's right. known as being pretty good. Right, right. And I think we talked about this before, where there may be times where we go small by starting Ubre at the four and starting Bridges. If we're playing a team like Golden State, who we need Ubre or Ubre, we need Bridges to guard someone like Steph, then we might do that. But I can only think of a handful of times where that would happen. Yep, so yeah, we, we agree on that starting lineup and yeah, I'd be pretty shocked if it were anything different than that yeah. opening night. Yeah. It's nice that it's clear though. It is. It's not which second round guy are we going to throw out at starting point guard this year. No, we have we have Ricky Rubio. So yeah. Pretty jazzed up about that. People who live outside of Phoenix know who he is. Yeah, that's that's always good too. Maybe we'll get some better league pass numbers this year. Maybe, maybe. We have one nationally televised game this year. Thankfully, it's just the one this year. Oh. <laughs> Well, what network is it on, do you remember? I think it's an NBA TV game. Oh, so it's not even TNT or ESPN? Well, or... might have to double-check that, but off the top of my head, I think it's NBA TV. Let these scrubs get one game on NBA TV, that's <laughs> it. Devin Booker's going to score 85 in that game. Yeah, he is. Okay. <laughs> all right, rebounds per game. I think this one's pretty obvious. I think we all went this way last year too but I'm going to go with Aiton for this one I don't see him taking any sort of a step back in the rebounding department although there are better rebounders on the team now so maybe he won't have to grab so many but I see him just uh, taking a step forward and you know nothing crazy just a, a few more I'm or not 
a few tenths of a rebound more. I went with 10.6. Yeah, I think he is going to improve on the glass as well. But I think our rebound leader is going to be Aaron Baines. Just kidding. It's not. (laughs) Uh, I went with Aiton as well. But I think he's going to take even more of a step forward. I think he's going to average 11 rebounds a game. Nice. See, I, I just think about Saric, who's not a spectacular rebounder, but more of an able rebounder compared to anyone else that Aiton normally shared the floor with last year. That's so true. I don't know how many exactly that'll take away from him, but probably not. Nothing to worry about as long as we're getting the rebounds. Yeah, I could see that. And so something I like about Aiton a lot is when he gets on the offensive side of the rebounding situation I just want to double check how many offensive game, offensive rebounds he had per game last year so he had 3.1 offensive 7.1 defensive per game so I'd love to see that offensive rebound percentage just take a little bit of a hike up because the dude's huge he's so athletic and when he gets those rebounds under the rim it should be an automatic two points along with it. So I'd love to see some of that. Yeah, and I think it will. I think he's going to be able to be better positioned most of the time this year. As a theme for Aiton, I hope being in the right position is something that he worked on this offseason. Just the the awareness of uh, where to be, when to be. And especially, like even just being able to read a rebound coming off the rim, like Dennis Rodman back in the day, mm-hmm. he he'd study his teammates' shots to know where they were going to come off the rim and the opposition, obviously. But he knew how they missed, and I think everyone should take a little point of that. Right, and I think we're also going to see an improvement in in Aiton's game because it's his second year, and he has adjusted a bit more to the speed of the game. I think people forget how fast the NBA is. You get so used to watching it. But as someone who watches a lot of college basketball as well, it's pretty significantly slower colleges. Like you can see. And even if it's one year, and even if they're the best players in the league, the NBA is much faster, and the quality of play is way better. So having a whole year to adjust to that is is big. A whole year of butt-kicking. Um, yeah, that too. You know, Got to be a little angry about the whole situation and not put yourself in those situations yes. anymore. So a slice of humble pie, if you will. There but in go. this case, more like an entire humble pie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, assists per game. So last year, I believe we all we all assumed it'd be Devin Booker. I didn't think anyone was saying uh, Elio Kobo was going to be leading the team. I'm not too sure. <laughs> But this year we have Ricky Rubio, and it took me a little bit of time to decide between Rubio and Booker because Booker's become such a great playmaker as of late, and you know he's going to have the ball in his hands. So I don't really know how that's going to balance things out, but I do think that Rubio's going to have a bit of a increase in assists per game from last year. Even though the situation is kind of similar to the Rubio, Donovan Mitchell, how they kind of shared the playmaking duties last year. I don't know. I'm going Ricky Rubio with six and a half. Oh, literally almost the exact same reasoning. I said Rubio and I said 6.9. 
Nice. I just think Booker is going to have the ability to spot up a little bit more, and that will decrease his numbers just a bit, which is fine. Uh, but yeah, I think Booker is still going to have a pretty high assist per game rate. Yeah, and if those two combine average over 10 per game, that's that's yeah. beautiful. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see that. Share the ball. Share the wealth. For sure. So with Rubio being a, a solid playmaker and he, he a guy who can find the open man, do you think Booker's really looking forward to having the ball in his hands a little bit less this year? Do you think he's missing the spot-up opportunities and running off screens off ball? Do you think he misses that? I would think so. Uh, J.J. Redick was actually just on Zach Lowe's podcast, and they talked a little bit about the art of running off a screen and how you even practice that. And just this ability that a few guys in the league have to just run around so much and tire the opponent out and make your defender just completely lose where they are and their sense of where they are on the court and it's such a valuable skill but it's really difficult to teach or practice and some guys just have it and I think Booker could be one of those guys but last season he really didn't have the opportunity to do much of that and especially because he gets double teamed so much he was really our only offensive threat at all so many times last year that now I think he has to be looking forward to maybe not being double teamed as much, being able to spot up, being able to run around screens and actually play his game more. I love watching guys run off off-ball screens. Oh, yeah. it's I don't know. Watching basketball is a hobby. I'd almost consider watching guys running off screens as like a secondary <laughs> hobby. It, it's fun because you can tell that they're trying to figure out where their guys are moving and where the defender is supposed to be moving as in just being in position and him looking out for the screens. And you could just see it like calculating in their brains as they're uh, like pitter-pattering around trying to decide which way to cut. I love that. It's fun to watch. And get a guy like Booker doing that again with the, that opportunity, that's exciting. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right, steals per game. Mitch, what would you have for steals per game? I'm going to go with Bridges for this one. He's got those long arms. He's just a ball hawk. He's always got his eyes on where the ball is going. Uh, you know, it's kind of like you said with running off a screen. You're trying to think of where your guy is going, where the defense is supposed to be rotating to. There's a lot of different things that players have to be thinking about at once. And I think Bridges is one of those rare guys that can do that very well from a very early point in his career and I think it's a testament to his college coaching and experience but I think he's so good with that awareness that he'll lead the team and I said 1.9 steals a game I would like to see that at two or over but I don't know I, I just couldn't high. do it it is high it is high and I'd love I went with bridges too and I would have loved to go higher but how many minutes is he going to be getting per game? Is he going to be getting as many as last year? Yeah. And I see so I'll, I see him improving. I don't see him taking a step back by any means, but he he does such a great job off ball and on ball, and that's why he has the potential to be one of the better defenders in the game. 
you can you watch him just rip the ball from someone dribbling like guys with great handles point guard type players the ball's not safe there and then obviously with that wingspan he can pluck anything away and then get into those passing lanes so i went with bridges with uh 1.4 steals 1. per game 4, yeah. and I, I liked Ubre too because he's similar in ways to Bridges I don't think he's quite as the refined defender that Bridges is though so I think those are, are two small forwards are going to be great defenders this year and that's something we haven't had in the past with Warren <laughs> oh I'm glad that TJ is not on the team anymore. I still really like him, but his game was very frustrating. It was. And then, I guess just being frustrating too, the fact that the three-pointer came all of a sudden last year. I'm frustrated that it took that long, and then now that he got it, he's gone. Right. Because that's something that I could have... Uh, really got behind if he were a three-point shooter and a, if he were the complete package scorer the whole time he was here I think it would have been a different story but it would have and I am yeah, still mad that we just gave him away entirely yeah there's I don't know what happened there but there there was no one that could have just taken on the contract except for the Pacers that was somewhat willing to I don't know but then throwing in the 32nd pick on top of it to to make it happen that's that's too much yeah it is but well-balanced team with depth we got to be happy about that oh yeah oh yeah okay blocks per game and this one seemed a little bit obvious too just because he's a, a super athlete at, in a 7-1 frame i'm going with Aiton, and i see improvement there not a nothing crazy, but just with the experience and an off season and coming in as a sophomore into the league, I'm gonna go 1.2 blocks per game. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I have written. <laughs> 1.2. Yep, he averaged 0.9 blocks a game last year, and I noticed a lot of those blocks uh, started coming as the season progressed. Early on, he wasn't getting very many. But that's kind of to be expected. So, yeah, I said 1.2 as well. He also has a 7'6 wingspan. I saw that when I was looking up his stats from last season. And that's pretty amazing. That's that's a long wingspan. And I think the first defensive highlight of Aiton's NBA career last year, he blocked a... Who was our opener against? The Mavs. Oh, now I can't, I can't remember. Maybe it wasn't the first one, but he blocked a jump shot really early on in the season from mm-hmm. a guard at the top of the key. And I thought I just thought, whoa, this guy can move, and if he's going to be blocking shots like that, this is going to be a crazy year. But, yeah, that, that didn't quite turn out that way. But no. we've, seen, we've seen some things about how he can defend on the perimeter and obviously his athleticism, so the hope's still there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Maybe maybe next year we'll be predicting 1.5 per game. Yeah, Just bump it up well, 0.3 every And it every depends year. how much time he spends at Hakeem Olajuwon's ranch. <laughs> Remember Is, that whole that thing? Did that even really happen? I don't know. I still don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it did. I, I remember hearing that it was only Coco that went. Right. 
I remember it being just like a Twitter argument, and I don't like. I probably shouldn't even say this because I don't remember any of the details, but whatever. Someone on Twitter said Aiton was at Hakeem Olajuwon's ranch, and then it turned out it wasn't Aiton, it was just Coco, and then that person had to apologize. I don't even remember. Sun's Twitter can be very weird. Oh, yeah. It's pretty fun for the most part, but it gets weird. Well, you got to keep it light, keep it fun. If you're winning 19 games in a season. So. Yeah, yes, absolutely. All right, three-point percentage. Uh, we were talking about this one before the show for a while because it, it just didn't seem like an easy way to go. It didn't seem like there was an obvious pick here. So how about you start this one off? I think this might be where we differ. It might not be, though. I think it's going to be Sarich. Wow. Yeah. Well, and if we look at the stats from last season, they tell us a lot. So, also, I, I want to point something out. Me and Dario Saric have the same birthday, so that's kind of cool. Nice. Um, but last season, he averaged 38.3% from three. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, oh, actually, that was just with Minnesota. But it was 68 games. And then the year before that, he averaged 39.3. So, sorry, it was 36.5% total last season. 39.3% the season before. So, I said he's going to average 35% this year. His career average is 35.8%. So, Okay. So I I thought about Saric and you know I got to admit I didn't even look up his numbers because once I got on the thread that I was I just stuck with it but having a stretch four like Saric is going to be nice. Yeah, it is. N- now that you say that. But I'm going with our our main boy. I'm going with Booker for this one. Oh, for okay. the same reasons we've kind of talked about over the show already, but there's going to be a little less pressure on him this year. And like we said, we're going to see him have a chance to be running off screens, to be just uh, spotting up in places. I really like that. And I see him kind of reverting back to a couple seasons ago in that range. So I I went with 37.6. Wow. I'm feeling it. I I feel it. If you go back, this guy won the three-point contest. He beat Clay and Steph. I know that's not the that's not the bar that you go by, but he can light it up. He's smooth from mid range. He has the touch from deep. I just I just see those numbers going back up. I, I think he's probably him himself. I bet he's upset about the way he shot the three last year, and that's probably something he worked on a lot this off season. So I'm I'm really hoping Booker takes a nice big step forward. I hope you're right. That would be great. It might be a little crazy, but the dude can shoot. He's the most pure shooter on our team. One of the most pure shooters in the league, so I don't think it's crazy. I hope you're right. I really hope (laughs) you're right. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) Okay, so a record prediction for the Sun Squad this year. 
Uh, Mitch, you looked it up before the show. What is the projected? What's the over-under the is 26 and a half. 26 and a half. A little generous. <laughs> See, I, I don't know what to think. Is that generous? Is 19 wins from last year can you even go off that with all the additions we have to the team that's true we are a completely different team that was like a historically bad season last year there has to be i don't know i went optimistic though on mine What'd you i say? went with a 29 and 53 record did you and that's full of games that are close losses too yeah we're gonna be a competitive team not to the sense of fighting for the a playoff spot, but I don't think we'll be getting blown out quite the way we did so frequently last year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I actually said 30 and 52. Um, I'm going to predict that we're going to win 30 games until it happens. So <laughs> that's where I'm at with it. <laughs> that's fair. That's like a good minimum for, uh, for yourself as a basketball fan. Like, if we don't win 30... It really, like, why did it even happen? Yeah, basically. So, just, you gotta go for that 30 mark. I like that. You know, and the more I think about it, I kind of would say I I might be in favor of the whole relegation thing. Like, the way British soccer does it. Like, take just the two worst teams in the league and make them play in the D-League for one year. I'd love to see the reactions of Dolan and Sarver when the Knicks and the Suns get dropped down to the G League and then they make, what, a hundredth of the income that they do in a real NBA mm-hmm. season? Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd turn the tides a little bit. I don't think there'd be much uh, even flirting with a tank season right. after that. Right. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think it could be that simple. There would need to be more to it than just that. But the yeah. more I think about this and all of the horrible basketball that I watch, the more in favor of relegation I am. I mean, it works. It works in the Premier League because these teams are terrified of going down a league. And then the cool thing is you can have things like Leicester. So Leicester was this team that was like horrible one year. They had been relegated, but they played really well in that lower league, came back up to the Premier League, and then they won the whole thing within the span of two years. So that's really cool. So you get, I mean, it doesn't happen very often, but it gives you the opportunity for that kind of thing. As a Phoenix Suns fan and a Miami Dolphins fan, at this point, I don't know if I'm willing to let that happen because if the Miami Dolphins got sent down to the XFL, (laughs) Vince McMahon's up to, um, I don't know if they'd ever make it back up, so I'm not that angry yet. I'd have to be really angry for uh, to agree with something like that. Yeah, something needs to change. But actually, uh, we should discuss this a little bit too, the change in the tampering rules. Did you see this, how they're going to enforce these tampering rules with voiding contracts, the loss of draft picks, they're going to do random audits of teams... I don't understand how they're going to enforce all of this stuff exactly. That's something that I I didn't really read. Mm-hmm. Like, how are they going to do that? That's the question. 
and it's you know I, there's a lot of executives that have said like I'm gonna cheat until everyone else stops basically until yeah, it doesn't benefit me the one thing that I saw was I'll play by the rules until I realize that other people aren't right. and having an advantage and then I'll start to break the rules and right. so that's not a good start to things I don't know. I'll have to read more into that to really figure it out, but yeah, it seems it seems pretty intense. It but does for for small market teams who happen to land a, a great player in the draft and they do everything they can to keep him there. But I I don't know. I can see how that can hurt the small market teams and how L.A. just cleans house. Right. It's definitely something to think about because I know on this show before I've said that the tampering rules are dumb, that fines don't work, which that's pretty true. The fines don't really mean anything, but that we should just get rid of the tampering rules altogether because it's happening. But the more I read this, the more that I'm like, this might actually help. Um, I know Ramona Shelburne said... uh, losing a draft pick that's what most executives are actually scared of yeah and you know that makes a lot of sense so i don't know we'll see how it works we'll see how they put it into practice but it might actually be a good idea yeah and the one thing that i don't see how it will work is they're trying to reduce player to player tampering so like lebron talking to anthony davis like hey we want you to come here how do you stop that? I know. That's like is it don't be friends with guys who play basketball? Is that the situation or you you can't be I don't know. Yeah. It seems that's pretty tough. interesting. I'm I, I'm excited to see what comes of that, even though I don't know if it's gonna be great. Yeah. It'll be it'll be something. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting. <clears throat> but I'd rather watch a game to tell you the truth. Yeah yes, me too. Yeah. <laughs> We're almost there. Alright, so Let's let's do a hot take and a cold take. And by cold take, we're we're talking something that we feel pretty confident in. It's not something that's going to blow the doors off. So we'll throw one of those out. But let's start with the hot takes because they're more fun. <laughs> My hot take isn't very fun though. <clears throat> that's is it scary? Yeah. Should I be scared? Maybe. I think Mikael Bridges is going to take a step back. Not necessarily on defense, because I do still think he'll lead the team in steals. But I don't think he's going to shoot as well as he did. I think he's going to take a step back. Hmm. Or maybe not necessarily a step back, but I don't think he's going to improve all that much on the offensive end. Yeah, and I've said this on the show numerous times. Like, McHale's not a... He's not a killer on offense. He's He's not out there to go get buckets, it seems like, most of the time. He's more of a nice piece to have out there with your guys and he can hit the open shot when it's there but I can kind of see that happening just because I don't want to compare him to Dragon Bender and being absolutely scared to take a shot out of, out there I don't see bridges like that but um, you know maybe to counter this maybe if he is running with the bench a lot more maybe he does become a little more aggressive so Maybe, but I just see him staying kind of a little bit timid. And I see his shot. I don't think he's going to shoot as well as he did last year. I know there were a lot of times where I saw his shot, and I'm like, that just doesn't look good. And I know he shot a decent percentage last year, but I could really see that 
slowing down. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good one. I I don't know how hot of a take that is, but it's the best thing I could come up with. <laughs> okay, I went pretty spicy on mine, okay. so maybe that'll make up for yours. Okay. So I said that Ty Jerome will give Ricky Rubio a run for his minutes. Oh, wow. Um, sometime in the second half of the season. So I think once Jerome has some time with the team, um, he's already four years through his college career, so a lot of it's already there. But I think once he has time to mesh with the guys, I think he'll be getting quite a bit of second unit point guard minutes early-ish. Not, maybe not right at the start of the season, but I just have a good feeling about him the way he plays and the smart decisions that he makes, I think it'll be tough to not have him on the court. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, that's a bit spicier than mine. I would be okay with that happening, but I don't really see it. Here's here's my backup. The IQ is there. You can agree with that, right? I, yes, he, he seems yeah. like an intelligent ball player. Yeah. The defense... I don't know if it's quite up to par yet, but I think it's uh, there. I think he's going to be a hard-nosed defender, and he's going to work. I don't think he'll be getting burned all the time. So I, I think he could be a, an average defender pretty early on here. But then where where you take it away from Rubio and give it to Jerome is the shooting. Yeah. This dude could be a lights-out shooter. We don't quite know yet what it's going to look like in the NBA, but with that ability to shoot it like that I think he can uh, steal away some minutes from Rubio this year yeah we'll see we'll see that's a good one hmm. alright cold take something we're feeling confident in my cold take is pretty simple and I know I've said this before but I don't think Cam Johnson is going to get a whole lot of play this year Right, that's that's interesting because you draft a guy number 11, you kind of assume that he'll be getting quite a bit of run, but with our depth and all the additions, it, it's tough to find a place for him at this point. Mm-hmm. Does he have to be the best shooter on the team to be getting minutes? Or do you think that if he's mm-hmm. the best shooter on the team right now, does he deserve any minutes? Yes, but he's not the best shooter on the team right now. So, I don't think he has to be the best shooter to get more minutes. I just kind of think, I base it on his injury history. I think we want him to train with the team a lot. I think, I mean, I think he's going to play. He's going to get a decent amount of experience. But I just don't think he's going to play quite as much as some people may expect. Or as much as you'd expect for any other number 11 pick. Yeah, and I'm curious to see where he's going to play. What, right. what what role does he fill on the court? Who's he going to be matched up against? I guess it doesn't matter on offense, but when it comes to defense, who's he going to guard? That'll be because uh, he, he's not the most muscular guy. Right. He's pretty tall and lanky, but then again, he's not a freak athlete either. But he's a willing defender. I don't know. It's it's interesting. He's a kind of an all-around player, but he's not great at anything, especially on defense. Right. So my cold take is that DeAndre Ayton 
will take a step forward on defense. I think we're going to be much less frustrated with his efforts under the rim this year. Yeah, I agree with that. I almost went with something along those lines, too. I think having Monty Williams will be a huge help, too. Oh, yeah, totally. And just him knowing that, hey, this guy helped out Anthony Davis, and he taught him early on in his career. And look at Anthony Davis now. I should buy into what this guy's saying. Yeah, for sure. All right, so that wraps up all the uh, the stat leaders and predictions. And again, we're just 15 days away from the season, so these uh, we'll be able to check out and see how our predictions are holding up soon enough. Yeah, we we've made some some pretty good ones in the past, and some pretty poor ones in yep, the past. We sure have. But it is now time for the non-sports section of the show, where we take to Twitter once again. Where the man who needs no introduction but gets a very long one anyway, at Josh Cran on Twitter, the real man's man, the man who read all of the Harry Potter books on audiobook in the summer of 2018, Josh Cranwetter. Um, what's he been up to lately? How can I, hmm, how can I introduce him this week? Um, he's coming to Phoenix. He's coming to visit in oh, yeah. less than a month. So we're pretty excited for that. Um, but he he asks us on Twitter, what is your what is each of your favorite My Little Pony character? And oh. I I mean I hate to do this to to Josh since he is a friend of the show, but we I, I don't think we can answer this. We've never not answered a Twitter question before, but like I don't think either of us are brownies unless you're hiding something from me. Maybe he thought David was going to be on the show. Oh, maybe, maybe. Oh, <laughs> burn. Sorry, David. Sorry, David. We miss you. Um, yeah, so we're going to skip that, Josh. Uh, I don't know. Next week, come back with a better question, I guess. Yeah, try, try again, but yeah. step it up. But so since that was just such a flop of a question, um, I'm just going to come up with something off the top of my head. Um, okay, I have one. So recently, I've been buying a lot of apples. I haven't really eaten a ton of apples lately, but it just kind of got me thinking. What's a mundane, simple thing that you're really into lately? And yours is eating apples? Well, I'll think of another one, but apples. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty into apples lately. Well, I'll keep it food-related, and it seems like a lot of our non-sports are food-related. I know. I tried to I tried to make it not food, but it's hard sometimes. It's all good. It happens. So I've been eating eggs just oh, eggs. a lot, and I, I'm really into it. Every style of preparation is okay. We can go poached. We can go sunny-side up. We can go scrambled. Those are the main three, but if, if you throw me a fried egg, I'm not going to be mad. I, I will eat it. And we've been doing uh, Moco Loco lately. Have I talked about this on the show? Uh, I don't think on the show, but you told me. Things blend together. Yeah. Because, you know. <laughs> but anyways, Moco Loco, it's a Hawaiian cheap diner dish. And it's, uh, it's just white rice with a hamburger patty and brown gravy. And then you throw a, a sunny side up egg on top of it. And you break the yolk into it. And it's... It's so cheap. It's like the cheapest meal you can think of. Uh, 
a little bit of ground beef, an egg, some rice, and some gravy mix. Like, come on, that's what a couple dollars at yeah. the absolute most. Pretty Dollar good. probably, I don't know. But just throw an egg on anything, burgers included. Big fan. So I'm all about the eggs lately. Ah, okay. So apples, eggs. Um, I'll say a non-food related one. I'm big into reading lately. Uh, I haven't been in school for a little bit now, so it's nice to read for fun. And it's been so nice out here in Phoenix lately that sitting outside and reading for 20 minutes, pretty nice. I need to get back into reading. I've Ever since the Game of Thrones ended on TV, I kind of hung up reading the books too, and I don't know why mm-hmm. that correlated like that, but maybe I just need a little break from the whole situation. Yeah, so there you go. Dive into something new here soon. That's That's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> all right, that does it for this week. We appreciate you all tuning into this episode. Like I've said a few times, 15 days until the first Suns preseason game. We're getting real close, so we're all excited about that. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram, at Sunny and PHX Pod. Uh, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week, and go Suns. <laughs>